Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Say This is one of the most extreme warnings in all of the Bible and one of the most greatest pieces of encouragement in all of the Bible as well in the same passage. Let's look at it together in Luke 22, 31. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 22. If not, you can follow on the screen. In Luke twenty-two thirty-one, 31, the Bible says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, Pain process and perseverance pray with me God thank you for going through the pain that you endured for for your process and always persevering for us God I pray that today that you would set me aside God and speak through me father anoint me to say the things that would honor you God I pray that you would teach us what you'd have us to know from your word in Jesus name amen pain process and perseverance well you can always count on something different at abundant life or you could count on something different through tv preaching and mega church preaching if i was on tv preaching if i was preaching at a mega church today they would they would just rule that out just based on the title isn't that right they just like next they they want five keys to to making your life more uh happy uh and ain't nothing wrong with being happy but I'm going to tell you this, if you live long enough, you're going to learn something about pain. And, and by living long enough, I mean three seconds out in the womb, they start slapping you. Ain't that right? Anybody figured out yet? It don't stop. It's like a Holy Ghost party. It just don't stop. It, 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 it just keeps, keeps coming. But I'm going to talk to you about these, these three things today. Before I do... Um, let, let's take note of the fact that uh, this, this week, three days ago on June 6th, uh, was a very important day for the world uh, as the world celebrated the 75th anniversary of D-Day on June 6, 1944, uh, which I don't know, well, well, my mom was alive there, so it might be some people uh, who were alive on that day. But I'm going to read you a little blurb off the Internet for those of you who Need a refresher course on D-Day. On that day, the Allied forces stormed the beaches, five beaches in France, uh, to try to fight back the German occupation of France, where Germany had developed a, a, their, their strongest fortress. And uh, the three of those beaches were taken with almost no resistance. One of them, uh, the Omaha Beach, where the United States uh, military landed uh, had heavy casualties um, thousands of people paratroopers and 
The largest amphibious assault we'd ever launched happened that day, early that morning. Uh, and historians tell us by, that by the day's end, over 156,000 Allied troops have successfully stormed Normandy's five beaches. Uh, most estimates put the casualties um, at over 4,000 people dead that day with tens of thousands of people wounded and missing. Uh, but this signaled the end of World War II. This brave, heroic act, and I can promise you, it was filled with pain. It, it, it was a long process. It didn't, just, it didn't start and end on June 6th. It started on June 6th and, and went all the way through uh, August be, before there was really um, everything had been put in place to begin breaking down um, our enemies and the world's enemies in World War II, and that signaled the beginning of the end. America was launched into that war by a surprise attack, uh, and America drove the heart, uh, drove the dagger in the heart of the enemy on the beaches at Normandy on June 6th. So that's a little history for you worldwide. Uh, you, you might not feel that that's important to you, but I want to tell you something. It, it's because of the pain, the process, and the perseverance of the brave men and women who have fought with and for this country o over the, the, the history of this country that we're even still here today and allowed to gather together in the Lord's house. Uh, I know some of you are uh, more, more pacifists than I am. You do you. Uh, we don't have to agree on everything. We just... We just have to love each other, but I will continue to tell the world as long as I have breath that pacifists prosper because brave men and women fought, and that's the reality. Freedom has a price. Uh, good, good, good things, things that are worth something have a price, and this country uh, and men and women have been paying a price for good things for a really long time. I was in Steak and Shake last night on Fleming Island, uh, me and my youngest son, and we were sitting there in a booth, and we were eating. And in comes this old couple. And by old, I mean old. And because I'm old, but they were old. And just so cute, little old man, little old woman, uh, sat down on the same side of the booth together, which always throws me. I already told my sons, you know, y'all do you. But for my house, sit across from her so you can talk to her and look at her in her face. They just sat together, and they were eating off the same plate, and it was so cute. They split a hamburger at Steak and Shake. <laughs> and I was just moved uh, to, to pay for their meal, and I, I don't really trust everybody, so I thought, you know, they could still charge them and just put that money in their pocket. So I went over there, and I told them, uh, I said, um, just want to let you guys know, uh, I felt led of the Lord tonight to pay for your meal. I hope that's okay. And the man said, well, why would you do that? I said, I was just sitting behind y'all with my son and uh, seeing y'all uh, love on each other and be so kind to each other just blessed my heart. And I told him, I said, I, I had a dream that, that I would grow old with the woman that I loved, and we'd sit down and, and, and be, be sharing hamburgers late in life. Um, and and y'all just y'all just reminded me of that, and, and y'all are living out my dream, and, and so I just want to be a blessing to you. And then they, you know, it ain't always what it appears.
This is when they told me that he was 87 and she was 83 and they're engaged to be married. And then they invited me to their wedding. July 23rd at Hibernia Baptist Church at 2.30 in the afternoon. And I said, well, go ahead on. <laughs> you know, y'all still, still growing old together, older. Uh, but that was exciting. And then, and then they, sh they shared with me how she had lost her husband on the mission field. Uh, that his, his family actually uh, was, his grandfather was the founding pastor of Russell Baptist Church. And she's a, a faithful member of Hibernia Baptist Church. And those two pastors are going to uh, do the service together. And then they're going to sweep off and be members at Russell. Uh, and uh, he, told, he talked about how he cared for his wife uh, as she finished her battle five years as, as an in-life caregiver. So I'm like, well, I, can't, I just can't get away from this dead spouse club. And so I shared, shared with them uh, my story, and, and we just rejoiced together in the Lord. But, man, I'm going to tell you what, uh, when I saw them little old people coming in there, I had no idea that, you know, they were, they were just out on a Saturday night date. That cat's actually old enough to have been at Normandy. I don't know. I should have asked him. Uh, all, he's almost old enough. Uh, but I, I thank God for, for life, and I thank God. Um, if you study the generations, and I know young people, they don't want to study the generations uh, because they see the statistics, and the statistics um, don't, don't paint them in, in the greatest light as far as uh, what, what's going on in their generation and for their future. But I love what historians call that age group of people uh, because I believe that they have got it right in what they have. Anybody know what they call that generation of people? The greatest generation. And they did a great thing for our country. So I was excited even though uh, I, I couldn't bear to ask them, you know, ho hopefully they were staying holy until their marriage. I, I figured they got their own pastor. They've been in counseling, uh, you know, hope. Hopefully so. Uh, they both told me that they're both battling uh, end-of-life terminal illnesses. Uh, and, and, you know, so they, they want to get married uh, before, before the end comes. I'm thinking if you was healthy as a horse, you, you better hurry anyhow. I mean, 87 ain't getting no younger. Amen? 87's old to everybody but who? An 86-year-old. <laughs> and an 87-year-old. Let, let, let's uh, get back into this. June 6th, D-Day. June 6th, also an important day in my life and the history of this church uh, because 18 years ago, uh, this past Wednesday, uh, it was the 18, I think, no, Thursday, was the 18-year anniversary of the history of the starting of this church. We've been a church now for 18 full years, and I thank God for that. Uh, 18 years ago, me and uh, Gail, a five-foot-tall, 120-pound woman with a baby in her belly, um, who's now my almost 18-year-old son, had our first service uh, in, a, in a little tiny building out on the uh, far west side of Middleburg. 
with about 16 adults and a handful of kids. And when I think about all the churches that have closed over the last 18 years, when I think about all the pastors who are no longer in ministry over the past 18 years, people that I've seen come and go, uh, I, it, it's humbling to me that God still allows our church to continue to exist. God still allows me uh, to continue to stand in this pulpit and teach the Word of God. And I want to say that I love the Lord, I love you, and I, and I thank you for these 18 years. Come on and give God praise for that. I love the Bible. The Bible is the most exciting book I've ever read. The Bible literally is the greatest action book on the planet. It, it's, it's filled with everything that a great action book should have in it. it. It's got the good guy fighting the bad guy. It's got murder, lust, revenge, loyalty. It's, and, and the good news is the good guy wins in the end. Uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a great story. I want you to, to get into the Word of God so the Word can get into you. But in chapter 22 of Luke, the Bible is talking about events that happened on the night of the Lord's Supper. This is the, the final moments of the Lord Jesus Christ's life here on earth in human form. It's Thursday night for those of you who are familiar with the time frame. And what he says in our text happens right after the Last Supper and just before the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus knows he's about to leave his closest friends, his closest followers. He knows that in hours he's going to be hanging on a cross, dying paying for the redemption of sinners like me and like you. And he takes time out of this busy time of his life to speak to his disciples and to do two things for you, for them. I told you earlier what the two things that he does. He warns them and he encourages them. If you wonder what Jesus would say to us today, he would say to us what he said to them because he never changes. I believe Jesus wants to warn us and I believe he wants to encourage us. I don't see enough of that in preaching around the world. I, I see a lot of fluff. I see a lot of hype. I see preachers selling hope all over the country, all over the world, all, all over the TV and the Internet. That is just not good for people who are going into a real battle. They did not tell those brave men who were about to see that gate drop and the, the beaches of Omaha, the beach at Omaha in France, the water was turned red because as those brave men ran out of the back of those amphibious assault vehicles, they were slaughtered down by the hundreds. The, the, the Germans had, had, were well entrenched in safe spaces, just shooting into the water, and men stepped over, bloody dying men, to continue to press forward for the fight. And I wasn't there, but I can promise you this. Eisenhower did not tell them, was it Eisenhower? It had to be. Y'all, nobody, was it Eisenhower? He did not tell them, it's going to be a cakewalk. It's, it's, it, it's going to be a walk in the park. It's going to make you feel good on the back of your neck. It, it's just going to, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. We're the mighty allied forces, and we're just going to walk. No, that's not how it went. He prepared them like any good leader would. He prepared. No coach ever went up against a, a, a real opponent and told them we don't need to prepare, and it's not, nobody's going to get hurt. The warning 
must be given. It is mandatory. And Jesus gave a warning, but he also gave an encouragement. And we're going to see both of those this morning. I want you to lock in. And whether you've heard this story or never heard this story, I want you to receive what God has for you today. The warning that he gave is that there is a, a painful process coming. There is a sifting um, and, and coming, and the encouragement is the fact that Jesus told them that he had prayed for them and that they will still be useful for him on the other side. So if you don't get anything, get this. There's a painful process coming, but the Lord has prayed for you. And there is still usefulness on the other side of your pain and on the other side of your process, but it's going to take a large amount of perseverance. Let's look at this warning and this encouragement. Let's start with the warning. He said in verse 31 of Luke 22, he said, Simon, Simon. Now, this is what's called by theologians a double enunciation. Uh, and and any time the Lord says your name twice, or anytime someone in that culture would repeat a name twice, it was a show of either deep intimacy or covenant cutting. It was either a show of real connection or a covenant was about to happen. And Jesus is pouring out his love to Simon Peter at this point uh, and all of the disciples present there. But he addresses Simon first. He says, Simon, Simon. This is great love and compassion in the heart and the voice of our Lord. He says, Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Now, the, the, same, the same people that, that would tell me uh, at the local TV station, you can't preach that message, would have told Jesus what, what the prophets in the Old Testament said people told them. Prophesy to us smooth things. Tell us easy things to hear. Don't, don't tell me that. But Jesus knew there was pain coming. And so he gave this warning. He said, the devil has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. So Jesus warns Peter that the devil wants to cause him pain. Uh, now, why in the world would the devil want to cause Peter pain? The same reason he wants to cause me pain. And the same reason he wants to cause you pain, because that's who he is. That's what he does. And in John 10, 10, Jesus said, The thief comes, but only to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal your hopes and dreams. He, he wants to kill everything good about you, and he wants to destroy the destiny that God has for you. And Jesus is telling Peter, he said, The devil has desired to have you. That's bad news for Peter, amen? That, that's pain coming for Peter, but not just for Peter. Uh, that, that, that's, that's bad news for all of us because in the original language, when he said Satan has desired to have you, that word you is plural. And it means one of two things, depending on which um, ling linguistic expert you believe. It either means that he wants to have every ounce of you, um, in every capacity, or it means he wants to have all of you, meaning everybody present. I particularly believe that he was saying that he's not just you, he wants to have all of you. And I want to tell you today, the devil wants to have all of us. 
He wants to mess up all of us. He wants to put so much pain on all of us because pain causes some people to quit. But pain causes some other people to press in. You just got to decide which one you are. Pain causes some people to back up. Pain causes other people to step up. Pain causes some people to, to run away. But pain causes other people to dig in deeper. And it's as simple. You, you, you want to know which one you should be? You probably heard when you were a kid that quitters never what? And winners never what? You got to determine that you're not going to let this painful process run you off because everybody knows somebody that used to be in church. Everybody knows somebody that used to serve the Lord. Everybody knows somebody that used to talk about how much they loved God, but they went through something and it ran them off. I hear people tell me, oh, I used to go to church, uh, but this and this and this, and we just don't go anymore. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you let the pain cause you to quit. You let difficulty cause you determined in your mind that God was not worth the amount of pain and suffering that you went through. You determined in your mind that the difficulty some human being or some church put you through was greater than the pain that Jesus suffered for you on the cross of Calvary and you just decided he's not worth serving anymore. And when you ever, if you ever understand that he did more for us than, than we deserve, then no measure of pain will put you in the quit level. Pain will put you in the press in deeper level. But I'm talking to two types of people this morning. Some are quitters and, and, and some are people who just refuse to quit. Uh, th this was bad news for Peter. Listen to what he went on years later to say. This, 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 this is through years of learning. This is through years of not just being with Jesus, but years of doing ministry after the resurrection in 1 Peter 5, 9. Peter said, take a firm stand against him and be strong in your faith. Talking about the adversary. Take a firm stand. Dig in and be strong in your faith. And then he said this, remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. This verse should put a hush on everybody who ever had a pity party. This verse should put a hush on everybody who ever believed the lie of the devil when nobody goes through as much as I go through. Nobody ever had it as tough as I've had it. Nobody's ever been through as much as I've been through. You just don't understand my situation. People, the devil wants you to think that you are unique and your situation is unique and that your suffering is, is so extreme that nobody can understand you. I want to remind you what the scripture says. If you faint in the day of adversity, it's because your strength is small not because you're unique not because your suffering is greater because your suffering is not greater your situation is not more difficult I, I've shared with y'all some, some of y'all have heard me share that I had to let my son know eventually J Jacob really has had heartache uh, watching his dad cry for 13 years. Jacob has had heartache remembering what little bit of memory he has of his mother. His mom got sick when he was two years old from two and a half to four and a half. Jake laid his head on his mama's belly every day while she was dying in our home because the hospital gave up on her and, and said, Mommy, please feel better so you can play with me. 
and I watched Jake go, and, and you can see it in pictures of him. And Crystal was there, and she can tell you, he was a round-faced, smiling, bubbly, gregarious personality, and he went uh, to, into a shell, and he, start, he used to stand up at two years old and get on the stage and walk back and forth with a microphone and scream into the microphone and point at people and yell. Must have got that off television, but he, he couldn't even speak at that point. But he was just bold and out there, and, and, and he went into a shell. And, 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 and as I prayed with him for years and counseled with him for years, one day, he, I, and I told him, I said, son, you have still got to embrace life and, and love life and love God and love people. And he said in his pain, he and I told him, everybody has a, 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 a sad story, son. Everybody has been through heartache. And in, in his frustration, he told me, yeah, but nobody else ever lost their mom. And I said, son, that's not true. I said, there's lots of little kids out there that lost their mom. I said, there's lots of people that lost their dad. And there's people that have been through all types of situations. See, the devil wanted to steal my son and make him think that his situation was so hard and so unbearable and so unique and so destructive that not only could he not go through it uh, and come out of it, but that nobody... See, that's what the devil wants you to think about your situation. It's okay to give up and quit because nobody could endure what you're going through. But the Bible plainly tells us that whatever, you, whatever you're going through, our brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are I had so many people come and tell me after Gail died people who had had a spouse die they'd tell me I, I know exactly what you're going through my, my, my spouse blah blah and, I, and I'm like I appreciate your compassion but uh, your spouse wasn't my spouse and you ain't going through what I'm going through because we're all different but, but I had to come to the place in my own life where I realized we all go through suffering so I, I urge you, this, I, I urge you this morning, don't think that you're so unique in your, in your struggle. Don't think that your pain is so much harder than everybody else's. Peter had to learn this the hard way, but by the end of his life, he realized you just got to take a firm stand. You just got to be strong in your faith because everybody's going through stuff. And, and, it, and this is why I'm determined to sound the trumpet every time God gives me opportunity. This is why I'm determined to let warriors know that there's a war raging every time God gives me the opportunity. This is why I'm determined to, to give the warning instead of just patting you on your back on your way into the battlefield telling you everything's going to be all right. Everything is going to be all right when we get to heaven. But on our way to heaven, there's going to be lots of pain. There's going to be process. And you got to decide if you're going to persevere. It, listen to what the verse says, Luke twenty two thirty one, in a more modern translation. In, in the New Living Translation, Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to have all of you to sift you like wheat. See, I told you it's not just bad news for Peter, it's bad news for all of us. The devil wants to have all of us, and this is the pain, and it's coming. Why, why, why does he want to, to have all of us so he can sift us like wheat. And I'm going to talk to you about that process in a minute. But Jesus said Satan has asked to have all of you. 
The fact that Jesus is saying this means that Satan asked who? Yes, he did. I want you to understand, just like the devil had to ask God permission to attack Job, and, and God put boundaries on that attack. God put parameters around that attack. God said you can go in, but you can only go in this far. God put a hedge of protection around him even while he was suffering massive loss. I want you to know no matter how bad your struggle, no matter how bad your pain, no matter how bad your suffering is, it had to be asked and it had to be approved. Now, if you think about it in the wrong kind of mind, you could be like, well, then I'm mad at God. Did God approve it? Did he? Did, 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 did God tell Satan, go ahead, do you think? Listen, if you read the book of Job right, you, you'll give up on that hyper-Pentecostal extreme. Listen, you ought to be Pentecostal. You ought to be charismatic. But you shouldn't be a, a hyper-anything but lover of God and people, if you really read the book of Job, you'll stop believing that, that the devil came to steal everything, that the devil is attacking me, that, 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 that God just wants to bless me and give me roses and cherries all day long. But the devil, listen, if you read it, you'll find out in the book of Job, Satan was just hanging out in front of God accusing the brethren. Satan was up in heaven. Read the book. He was up in heaven because he has access to go talk to God. He was up talking to God, bad-mouthing people. He didn't bring Job up. Who brought Job up? Satan talking about all these people. God's like, what about my boy Job? You thought about him yet? Now, every time I read that, I'm thinking, chill out on that. Could you chill out on that? I mean, is that just me or are you with me on that? Can't, can't, you, just, can't you just be sitting up there thinking, uh, you know, devil's walking around and he, he bad, he, he's bad-mouthing Richard and he's, he's just talking bad about Israel. And then God's like, well, have you thought about messing with Vicky yet? <laughs> what I do? I'm up here folding clothes. I'm up, I'm up here serving in the ministry. And then Satan's like, oh, but you you don't you don't let nobody mess you you, you don't you don't let no, let nobody mess with Vicky. You protect her, and God's like, well, go ahead and do whatever you want to do to her. Just don't kill her. <laughs> kind of blows off that crazy theology of thinking that the devil is in charge of anything that happens because he had to ask. Say ask. Or say axe, whatever you want to say. I mean, <laughs> that's funny right there. You, you didn't get it. Listen to the tape. Satan is consistent. He's not as consistent as God because he makes mistakes. But he is consistent in his attack. He is consistent in his approach. He's still using the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life where he used in the garden to get to us today. He's still coming at us the same way, and he still needs permission. Say permission. I don't get it. I really don't. If you came into my house and like, you know what, I just like stealing and killing and destroying, I wouldn't be like, well, have you thought about my youngest son? You know, 
uh, you, you, you want to you knock him around? You want to go five rounds with him? That's just not how I would do things. Anybody with me? That's just not how I would run that out. But listen, God does what he does, how he does it. We, we, we talked Wednesday night about the fact that he does it for his own good pleasure. He takes counsel with nobody, that he, he is about it, and it's his decision. God has a plan. Say plan. Let, let, let's keep going so we can get out of here. Uh, let's talk about this sifting thing. Because the pain is the fact that, that, that the devil's after you. He's going to put you in the sifting process. The process is this box. Say box. This box to me represents the world and the process of pain that we go through. Sifting, you ought to study it. You ought to, you ought to look it up. You ought to see some images of agricultural sifting. Because here's, uh, we've got machines that do it for us now, but in Bible days, they would take the wheat and they would build a sifting box and it would have a screen on the bottom of it and it had wood on the outside to make it sturdy and they would put the grain inside this box and they would shake it violently. They would shake it. And the, and the grain would scrape across the rough screen, and it would scrape off what, what farmers call the chaff. It would scrape off the outer shell and, and, and the stuff that wasn't uh, harvestable. And they would shake it violently, and they would throw it up in the air. And the, the light stuff that had been scraped off would blow away in the wind. Now, that to me sounds a whole lot like my last 18 years pastoring this church. And my whole, uh, sounds a whole lot to me like my whole 38 years following God. This, this box is our life. And, 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 and life, in and life, we get shook around, tossed around, banged around, scraped up, scratched up, sifted. Anybody understand this is a painful process? <laughs> the, the, the Bible says that God wants to conform us. To the image of his son. I want to tell you, there's a lot of scraping that has to happen for that to, to, to come through. To, for us to look like Jesus, there, there's a lot of sandpaper required. Um, I told some of you the story before. One of the greatest stories I ever heard a preacher tell was early in my salvation. He told a story about a young sculptor who went to a museum and was just amazed at this marble sculpting of a white stallion and this horse had muscles rippling through it and it had a little photo of the artist next to it and he saw that a man that looked just like it sitting next to it and he's like did you sculpt this incredible piece of art and the man said yes I did and the young man said well I'm a sculptor too and I want to be able to make beautiful art like this how did you ever make this marble look so much like a real live horse and the old man scratched his head and he thought he said well I just took my hammer and I just took my chisel and I beat on that rock and I beat on it and I beat on it and I beat on it and I knocked everything off that slab that didn't look like a white horse and you know how God's gonna make you look like Jesus he's gonna take the hammer and the chisel, and he is just going to smash everything off my life that don't look like Jesus. He's going to knock everything off your life that don't look like Jesus. And you get, you, hey, 
You can fight it and you can run from it, but my mama gave me a good picture of, of what God looks like because my mama, you, I, if my sister was here, pray for her, she don't feel well today, uh, she'd tell you, my mama beat us in circles. Yes, she did because she held us by the wrist and just beat us. So we, we couldn't run away from her because she was holding on. I want to tell you, some of y'all trying to run away from this chiseling process. Some of y'all trying to run away from this hammering process. Some of y'all trying to run away from this sifting process. Some of y'all trying to run away from the sandpaper of refinement of God's Holy Ghost through His Word. I want to tell you something. He got you by the hand. I tell my kids all the time. When, when, I, when I spanked my kids, see, I was beat as a child. I, I never beat my children. I spanked my children uh, mostly calmly. <laughs> I ain't no reason to lie about it. Never hit a child in anger. Well, what you hitting them to begin with for then? Uh, but no, never hit a child in anger. I try to talk to them, and I tell them, all right, lay across the bed. Put your pants down because it's going to be on your naked butt. Now, you ain't sneaking no 12 pages of loose-leaf paper in your underwear with me coming at you. No, you ain't about to put no spiral-bound notebook in your jeans and think you snuck me. That's an old-school trick back when Dean, any, any of y'all been there? I mean, but you knew that Dean was going to whoop you. You had to get ready for it. You had to, you know, go in the bathroom and get about 500 paper towels and jam those in your back pocket. Uh, mm -mm. Butt-naked, face and I tell them all the time, don't move, don't scream. Because you know what, any of y'all had kids like this? Before, before you even get your back swing done, they're already screaming. This one over here, just hollering like you're killing them. And I'd tell them, I, 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 I'm going to give you three swats across your butt. You're going to lay there and you're going to accept this discipline because this discipline is to help you. You start squirming, you start screaming, you start hollering. Three might turn into 300. It's on you. You do you. And what I've seen in Christ is if you will embrace your space, if you will just tell God, have your own way, Lord, have your own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. If you will let God ju just, just have his way, uh, that, that, that chiseling process, that sandpapering process, it, it, don't, it don't feel any better, but it gets to the point quicker. And this sifting process is violent, and it's painful, and it is scraping, and it is hurting. And this is what life will do for you. And, and I know if you've lived more than three days in this, on this planet, you felt like your world was being shook, that you were being tossed around, and that you were being scraped up, and that you were going through. Listen, Jesus warned it was going to happen. Uh, he warned us the devil was going to sift us. He was going to shake up our world and throw us around. Uh, and, and, and here's the thing. When the farmer would sift the wheat, it was only to get to the good stuff. It was all, the process was for the betterment of the wheat. I want you to know, when the devil wants to sift you, his sifting is not for your betterment. He doesn't just want to separate the bad stuff from the good stuff and leave all your good stuff together in the farmer's tray of usefulness. He wants to shift you, sift you, shake you violently. He wants to scrape you, toss you all around so you fly out the bucket and never be used by the farmer. And you got to make sure that you stay in the tray. Look at somebody and say, stay in it. Well, I'm talking about perseverance through this painful process. 
Uh, I mean, I, 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 I've been there, but that, that's the warning. Let's look at the encouragement. Verse 32, Jesus said, but. Oh, man, something different's coming, and I like it. Sometimes it's all right. Sometimes it's okay. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's, it, it, it's good news. This is great news. Jesus said, but I have prayed for thee. Comma. Paul's on the punctuation. I always study the Bible, paying attention to the punctuation. He said, I've prayed for you. I mean, could, could you imagine? It'd be, like, it'd be like me coming over to your house right now and be like, okay, here's the deal. 16 people breaking in tonight. They, 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 they're, coming in, they're coming in to sift your house. Uh, anybody realize that would be horrible news? And then if I said, you know, but I prayed for you. Good luck. <laughs> what? You better stick around, bruh. You know it's coming. You better stick around. Listen, it's okay to get the preacher to pray for you. It's okay to get mama and them to pray for you. But I want to tell you something. It is fantastic when Jesus is praying for you. Because he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He's always there for us. He said, I prayed for you that your faith fail not. Colon. You got to stop on that. What does Jesus want to happen as a result of his praying for people who will get sifted? That what? That our faith fail not. Now, when he says, I prayed for you, same plural word there that was used earlier not just for peter for all of us he's prayed for all of his children you want to know a easy way to determine who god's kids are and who god's kids ain't god's kids faith don't fail why because jesus has asked the father to not let our faith fail and the father always answers his son's prayer if you are saved and sealed by the Holy Spirit of God, you can be sure of one thing. Come what may, you're going to hold on to the Lord. Come what may, God still got you. It's just like when I used to walk my kids through parking lots. I wouldn't hold their hand because their hand would slip out. I would lock my hand around their wrist. They thought they were holding my hand. But when they stumbled, when they fell and they let go, I was still holding them and I was still dragging them down the road. They might have been kicking feet in the air, but they wasn't falling because Daddy had a hold of them. And I want to tell every real Christian in the room, come what may, sift all you want to. Shake it up, get violent with it, make it hurt so bad. But God got a hold of us. God has got a hold of us. He said, I prayed for you, and this is the prayer that your faith will not fail. You need to start reminding yourself, God is not going to let go of me. You get in your little pity party, you start with, oh, God, how am I going to make it? Lord, I just don't understand. I don't know. Listen. He, Jesus, has prayed for you, and he has prayed for you to make it. He has prayed for your faith not to fail. If you could just understand, it's not your willpower, it's not your intellect, it's not your money, your resources, it's not your friends, it's not your family, it's not your ministry, it's not your buddies, it's the Lord that will hold you together. It's your faith that will keep you keeping on. 
And then he gave him some instructions through his perseverance. He said, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Now, if you read this with a 2019 mindset, you might miss the point. He says, when you're converted. Now, if you've studied the, the, the story and you've been in church for a while, you ought to be scratching your head thinking, well, didn't, Jesus, didn't, didn't Peter say that Jesus was the son of the only God? Didn't Jesus already confess Christ? Didn't he already understand that Jesus was Messiah? Didn't, didn't, he, didn't he already converted? He, yes, he's already converted in what we call converted. But this word converted here means to come through to the other side. He, 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 it, it means that he would not just be converted but, or not just be saved. He's already saved, but that he would repent after the mess up and come through it to the glory of God. Anybody realize even saved folk have to repent after the mess up so you can stay useful to the glory of God? Let, let, let's, let's keep lo- looking at it. He said that he had prayed for Peter. Now, we understand that God has told us he's no respecter of persons. He, what he does for one, he'll do for the other. This is uh, a, a, a setup. This is a, uh, a preview of what God told us in Hebrews 7.25. Listen to this amazing verse of Scripture. Therefore, he, this, this, this is talking about Jesus. He's, he's able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him come. Now, I want to ask you something. You don't have to answer out loud, but you ought to rejoice in your heart if you know the right answer. Have you come to God through Jesus? If you haven't, you ain't made it to God because the Bible says that Jesus is the only way to get to God. There's no other way to get to God but through Jesus. And the script, this verse tells us that Jesus is able to save those who come to God through him. I'm so excited that he saved me uh, because he chose to, not because I had to get it all right. Because you know if it was up to us, we'd have messed it up. But he saves those. To the uttermost. He does it all if you come to God through him. And listen to this last phrase. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. He, say Jesus. Jesus always lives. He's constantly praying for this group of people. Who is this group of people? This group of people is the people who he has saved because they came to God through him. And he is constantly praying for his Children, if you're in this group of people, here's the encouragement today. God's always praying for you. Now, that's awesome. Get your buddies to pray for you. That's cool. Get the preacher to pray for you. That's cool. Get mom and them to pray for you. That's awesome. But you ought to just rest your head on your pillow morning, noon, night, whenever you lay your head down, and just know this. He's praying for me. Did you hear me? Jesus Christ of Nazareth is praying for you. He lives for that. He, this is who he is. This is what he's about. He's always making intercession for those who came to God through Jesus. If you call yourself saved, I want to tell you, he has prayed for you, and he is always praying for you, and he's praying that when you get sifted, that your faith will not 
fail. Not only will we not fail, but when our sifting's over, we'll still be useful to God for helping others. See, this is the great lie of the devil. And this is what the devil wants every person in this room that's ever failed to believe. God's done with you. This, this is why people give up on church. This is why people give up on ministry. This is why preachers quit serving God. They let the devil get to condemning them. They let the devil get in their ear and make them think, ah, oh, you've messed up. That's one too many times now. You're all done. And, and this is what the enemy wants you to believe. But Jesus said when you're converted, I told you he's not talking about salvation. Listen to what the Greek dictionary says for this original Greek word that we have our English word converted come through come from to cause to return and go back to this is the type of conversion jesus is talking about not conversion for salvation but the type of conversion that causes you to go back to him i want to tell you something every failure is just a setup every failure for a christian is a setup for a comeback Every failure for a Christian is a setup for a glorifying God honoring testimony that says, yeah, they thought they had me. They thought I was done. They thought I blew it, but God. It's a setup. It is a setup. Jesus said, look, you're about to get set up, boys. It's coming. And, and, and it's not that he couldn't stop it. He don't want to stop it. Lord, please don't let me go through any more hard times in 2019. Why are you so special? God put his son through rejection. God put his son through torture. God put his son through being stripped naked and being crucified and bleeding out. God put his son through hardship. What makes you think, oh, God, don't let me go through any hardship. I've, I've been through all the hardship I can stand. Ah, oh, no. You, you know how I know you can still go through more? Because you're still here. You know how I know? Hey, if you're saved, you know how I know that you're going to still make it through your next horror show? Because the Lord is praying for you. And he's not just praying for your faith not to fail. He's praying that you will turn back to him on the other side of your failure. And you will strengthen your brothers and sisters in Christ. Because I'm going to tell you something. When you've been through something, the Bible says you can comfort others with the same comfort wherewith you yourself have been comforted with. If we didn't go through it, this is how I wonder about perfect preachers. And there's no perfect preachers, but y'all know most of them better than, 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 than me and, and lots of folk. I, I see preachers and I'm like, this dude just ain't never done nothing wrong. I know he's done stuff wrong, but uh, these lily white never been through nothing preachers. I'm talking about grew up with a mom and daddy that loved them. You know, graduated high school, went straight to college. They went all on our plan, Barbara. They didn't all take the 20-year the, 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 the and the 40-year route to, to education. I'm talking about these, these preachers. Um, got married, still married, wife's healthy, kids are healthy. Kids been on honor roll every day of their whole life, perfect attendant. Listen, I'm going to keep saying this. Perfect attendant kids, your mama don't love you. And your daddy don't love you. You know how I know? Parents, parents that love their children take them out of school and take them to Disney World on a school day. Let that set in. I used to lean over and tell my kids all the time, I quit going to these stupid award shows. 
congratulating these children for being nine. Please, live through something. Sally Mae Jones has had perfect attendance both quarters of this year. She made it to school every day for two nine weeks. Are we throwing a parade for this? And I tell my, I tell my kids, Sally's mama, if she loves Sally, she'd take her out of school one day and, and get that hair fixed. Every year, y'all go ahead and call, call HRS on me if you want to, whatever the name of them is. Every year, I've got a letter from Clay County School Board telling me, um, your children have less than 90% attendance, and we are concerned for their attendance. And I call them back. I call them up, and I say, are my children on honor roll? Yes. Uh, why are you sweating me about the fact that they've got 89.8% attendance this nine weeks? And I never understood why until I, until I talked to somebody at the school board. They don't care if your kids get perfect attendance. Uh, but for your kids, their budget is met daily. It's the only business that I've ever heard of. They meet every day. They call their numbers in, and they release their whole budget or a percentage of their budget. Now, if they had called me up and said, hey, look, dog, uh, we need your kids to come to school more because we're losing out on money, I'd have respected that more than them pretending like they care about whether or not my kids are in school. How'd we get on that? <laughs> Y'all perfect attendance children. Jesus isn't trying to stop your sifting, but he's praying for you in it. And you got to understand other people have been through it too. Other people have hardship. Your, your problem, is, your pain has purpose, and, 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 and your, your failure is just a setup for a great testimony. Your test should turn into a testimony. Some people let their test turn into a death sentence for them. I want to tell you today, you, your test doesn't have to be a death sentence for you today. Your test is not a disqualifier. Your quitting is a disqualifier. And Jesus doesn't want you to quit. That's why he said he's prayed for us. And he said, and when you turn to me again, strengthen and build up. You got this verse, Luke twenty-two thirty-two in the New Living, Deacon Mike? Uh, he said, but I have prayed, nope, in the New Living. I'll read it to you off my page. I thought it was in the notes. Uh, but I have pleaded in prayer for you. Anybody know that's good news? You ought to be encouraged for that. He said that your faith should not fail. There, that, there's the prayer request. Now, here, here's, here's the, 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 what's on the other side of it. He says, so when you've repented and turned to me again, strengthen and build up your brothers. It's because we've been through stuff that we can minister to each other. It's because we've been through stuff. Can't nobody tell you what it's like to hold on to a bad marriage that never had a marriage problem? Can't nobody tell you what, what it's like to struggle with bills that's always had money in their pocket? Can't nobody tell you what it's like to deal with, with strong-willed, stubborn, hard-headed, rebellious, must be like their mother children if they ain't never had a child to deal with? 
all that you've been through is so that God can get you through so you can strengthen somebody else who's going through. So you got to live through it. You got to persevere in it. You got to get to the other side so that God can use you to say, you know what? I went through something similar like that myself. I, 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 I've been almost in the exact same place that you've been, and God came through for me. When I thought I wasn't going to make it, He picked me up. When I thought I couldn't live another day, He let me see the sun rise again. When I thought the world was just going to crush me and kill me, He showed Himself faithful. Man, I've used the word faithful more times in the last four days, probably than any time in my life. Thinking about 18 years in this church, and I'm going to tell you something. It's been 18 years of fantastic, glorious, God-honoring hell on earth. It's been hard and wonderful. It's been good and troubling. It, it, it's, it's been rewarding and, 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 and crippling all at the same time. Anybody know that's life? But, but God, through it all, has been faithful. And I want you to get that word in your spirit today. I want you to understand He is faithful. Oh, my goodness. I, I'm old school hymn singing dude. But I'm going to tell you something. Some, some songs just hit me. Some of these new, they're, they're really more choruses than they are songs. They're verses. They, they praise and worship phraseology. Uh, but, man, I don't even know who it is that sings that one song. But I have laid on the floor and cried just singing out that simple phrase, Faithful to me, God of glory. God of, well, oh, man. Y'all don't know this song? We're going to have to work this song up. When you start singing about the faithfulness of God, you'll realize he's faithful then and he's still faithful now. He's faithful to others, but he's still faithful to me too. I want you to get the concept of God's faithfulness deep in your spirit so you'll quit having pity parties and you'll quit thinking that this thing came to destroy you. This thing didn't come to destroy you. This thing came to so you could get through it and give God glory and give somebody else some encouragement. I told you the title of the message, message is pain, process, and perseverance. You got to fail at something and that's painful. I'm just tired of failing at stuff. I'm tired of failing at stuff. I'm tired, I'm, I'm tired of, of not being perfect, but it's all a part of it. Uh, you, you have to have problems so that you can realize how much you need God. You ought to let your problems drive you to your knees. You can let them drive you to a bottle. You can let them drive you to, to drugs. You can let them drive you to a psychologist. But I want to encourage you to let your problems drive you to your knees. Seek God in the midst of your problems that's one of the reasons we go through this process but here's the punchline no matter how close to God you are you're going to fail at some point no matter how close to God you are see this is where church folk mess up and they miss it they think because someone failed that they didn't love God they think because someone failed that their love for God wasn't real Peter's love for God was real. But he went through a horrible sifting, a humiliating sifting. He went through a rough process of denial, humiliation, and shame. But he had to learn what we need to understand. There's a purpose to the problem. If 
you turn back to God after that process, then God can still use you to help other people. God can still use you to bring glory to His name. That's the perseverance that God expects. I, I, I came to tell you today that the devil is a liar. He wants every believer that ever failed at anything to think, God's done with me, and I should just quit. But whatever he says is a lie, and you got to turn that around and see the truth in it. It's your failures that allow you to depend on God more and make you useful to God. We all want to get our kids out of every trouble, and I understand that. I, we're not God. If we could, we'd never let them scrape a knee. We'd never let them shed a tear. We'd never let them know heartbreak. We'd never, never let them walk through difficulty. But it's because we're not as smart as God is. It's in those scraped knees that learning takes place. It's in those heartaches that healing takes place. It's in those hard times that they reach out to something bigger than us. And we need to learn how to reach out to God. These tests build our testimony. Our testimony is never based on how we never failed. Our testimony is never based on how great we are. Our testimony is never based on our success. Our testimony is designed to be based on how great God is and how faithful He is to us even when we don't deserve it. Even when we're struggling. Even when we're failing. So I warn you this morning. Satan wants to have all of us. Collectively, in every part of us, in every way, he wants to sift us. He wants to violently shake us up. Sifting is about separating. This world wants to sift us, wants to separate us. The news, the media, politics, race, denomination. It's all a separating process. You can't strengthen your brothers until you accept who your brothers are. Jesus has prayed for us. The question that I'm going to leave you with this morning is, will you go back to him? Will you return to him? When the dust settles and let the world see that no matter what happens to you in this life, those of us who love the Lord are going to follow the Lord to the very end because we know He is the great and victorious champion. He is the one who never gives up. He is the eternal and the living God. So where are you today? Are you even saved? Are you in this box? Are you in this box of what the devil wants to do to every Christian? You might say, oh, well, if it's all that, I don't want to get in it. Well, it's worse on the other side. There's a real heaven to gain and a real hell to shun. And Christianity, no matter what they tell you on the TV and the radio, Christianity is not a promise of an easy life. It's a promise that he'll pray for you. And he'll be there for you when you come back to him. 
everybody's been sifted. Everybody's going to be sifted. What everybody doesn't do is repent and turn to him again. And this is what I want for you. It's what I want for me. It's what I want for the body of Christ around the world because we're all sifted. We all fall short. We all get tossed around. But we don't all repent and turn to him again. I don't know when the last time is that you recommitted your life to Christ. It should have been today. Tomorrow it should be tomorrow. If you do it on a daily basis, you'll never get far from it. But some of you need to front slide. I told y'all, that's a word I made up. I never heard anybody else use it. But I, crying out to God many years ago, 30 plus years ago, in a time of failure in my life, I knew my backsliding had created hardship. In a time of repentance, God gave me a vision of how to stop backsliding. The way is to front slide. You, 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 you need to understand that everybody backslides. I like what my old preacher used to say. Backsliding ain't necessarily doing something horribly immoral. Back, uh, backsliding is if there's ever been a time in your life where you love God more than you love Him right now. If there's ever been a time in your life where you served more, read more, prayed more, worshiped more than you are right now, you've slidden back. And I want to see our church front slide. I want to see us slide toward Him. I want to see us repent and turn to Him so that we can strengthen and build up our brothers. There's people in this room that's going through stuff. And you need to get through your stuff so you can be strong and show them the way. There are people in this community going through stuff. And we need to get through our stuff, turn back to him, have the right testimony in our mouth that the Lord wins. Do you believe he wins? Do you believe he wins? The Bible says we give thanks. To him who always gives us the victory. Some of you hadn't felt that victory in a minute. You've been in the pain. You've been in a process. Front slide. Repent. Turn back to him again. You've done it before. Do it again. You've gone to him before. Do it again. Because we need you to be strong we need you to be strong every area of ministry takes massive amount of effort and there's usually more people quitting than joining that's why church attendance has been on the decline in America for the last 30 years we don't need one more person to quit the food and clothing ministry we need some more people to get in the food and clothing ministry We don't need one more person to stop coming to ladies' meeting. We need more people to come to ladies' meeting. We don't need one more man to walk away from his family and not be a father to his children. 
We need men to stand up and be who God created them to be. We don't need one more scandal in the body of Christ. We need a group of broken, sanctified believers repenting and turning to Him again so the world can see no matter what. They just keep loving on their Jesus. Whatever you're going through today, know this. God is praying for you. Trouble don't last always. If you ever want a front slide, he's right there to catch you. If you ever want to run back to him, he'll have his arms wide open to receive you. Jesus said, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Life is hard. He said, if you're tired and you're worn down, come to me. You need to let the Lord carry you. He's not going to do that if you're running away from him. Don't let your pain chase you away from the Lord. Don't let your failure chase you away from God or ministry. Don't let a painful process wear you down to where you no longer the man, the woman that God wants you to be. Do what Peter said so many years later. Stand firm. Hold on to your faith. Let God be strong in you. Pray with me. God, thank you for praying for us. Help us to realize that pain is temporary. Help us to realize that you're here for us, even in our process. Thank you for perseverance, God. Thank you for endurance. Thank you for long-suffering. Thank you for holding on to us and never letting go. We honor you, God. We praise you. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for living for us. Thank you for giving us your spirit. I pray, God, that you would fill us with the Holy Ghost to overflow. And that we would glorify you and strengthen our brothers and sisters in this community and around the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.